How many of you have heard of the, the Bible character by the name of Joshua? Raise a hand. Bible, King, Bible character of Joshua. Okay. Well, if you don't know, Joshua is known as the successor to Moses. He is also known as a leader of God's people in Israel. Joshua is also known as the commander of the Lord's army. But more importantly than all that, Joshua is known as a mighty servant of the Lord. Would you describe yourself as a mighty servant of the Lord? Shifting gears, there are a few things in church life that you can be absolutely sure of. The first of which is, is that not everyone in the church is going to agree on everything all the time. Amen? Another thing you can be absolutely sure of is, is that some folks are going to fall asleep at some point in the service. Amen? Don't say amen to that. Another thing you can be absolutely sure of is that the preacher will rarely look at his watch while he's preaching. Amen? You don't have to worry about that with me. But the most important thing that you can be absolutely sure of is that in every service, there will be a call. A call for you to serve God in the church in some capacity. But why? Why serve the Lord? Why is there this constant call for Christians to serve in the church? Well, I want to give you four reasons this morning. Quickly, one, the first reason why we're called to serve in the church is because it's biblical. It's biblical. The Bible makes it clear that we are saved to serve. We are saved to serve God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And he goes on to say in verse 10, that we are his workmanship, get this, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why were you created? You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. We serve because it's biblical. But we also serve because that is how the body of Christ functions. The Bible says that the manifestation of the Spirit of God is given to each one of us for the profit of every one of us. Are you following me? A gift of God is given to each one of us for the profit of every one of us. When each member serves the Lord with his or her spiritual gifts, the entire body is blessed. The entire body can be healthy. The entire body can be strong. The entire body can be effective in doing the Lord's work of building the kingdom of heaven. So we serve because it's biblical. We serve because that's how the body of Christ functions. But thirdly, we serve because, listen, there is great joy in serving the Lord. The happiest, most fulfilled people that you'll ever meet are the ones that know that they're doing what God has created them to do. Amen. It's important. I don't know what God's plan is for your life, 
But I do know that you will never be completely happy until you have sought, until you have found, and until you are doing what God has created you to do. We serve because there's great joy in serving the Lord. But finally, we serve because we realize all that Jesus Christ has done for us. In other words, our gratitude to Jesus is what drives us to honor our Savior with a heartfelt lifestyle of service. In other words, we don't deserve it, but He sure does. Amen? Amen. So, all these things being said, it's important for you and I to understand that every single member of the body of Christ is called to serve the Lord with their, all their heart, all their life. That's the high calling of God on the believer. That means that everyone, everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation should be actively and diligently serving the Lord. That is the high call of God for you and for me. Lewis Timberlake said, There are no little jobs in the kingdom of God. There are no little jobs in the kingdom of God. Every single job, every act of service matters in the kingdom of God. So, if you're going to become a mighty servant of the Lord like Joshua, then you're going to need to know and to apply four important principles of service to your life. So what I want you to do is as I read this morning from Joshua chapter 24, Joshua chapter 24, every time that you hear me say the word serve, I want you to repeat it out loud. Let's practice. Serve. Serve. That was good, but I want a little bit louder because I want our online people to hear it. So let's practice. Serve. Serve. Hey, now you got it. Here we go. I hope your voices are warmed up because you're going to get a lot of practice. Here we go. Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. The Bible says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve, serve, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served serve. on the other side of the river and in, the, in Egypt. Serve, serve, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve, serve, serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Serve. Whether the gods which your father served, serve. that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and for my house, we will serve. Serve. Serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve, serve. other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us up and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve, serve the Lord for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve. 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 You cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. 
He is a jealous God. And He will not forgive your transgressions or sins if you forsake the Lord to serve. Serve, serve foreign gods. He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He has done good to you. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve. Now we're getting weak on me. We will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for the Lord for yourself to serve, to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will Obey. You did good. I'm proud of you. I want you to become a mighty servant of God. The Lord wants you to become a mighty servant of God. And if that's going to happen, you're going to need to keep God in His rightful place in your life. That's number one. Keep God in His rightful place in your life. In the beginning of verse 14, John, the Bible says, Now fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. You see, Joshua knew that all people are going to serve somebody. People are going to serve something. And he knew that. They'll either serve the gods of this world or they'll serve the one only true living God of heaven. He knew that they were going to serve one or the other. And so Joshua called out to the people to fear the Lord, not to be scared of him, but to have a healthy fear of God, to honor him, to give him the awe that was due his name. He wanted them to be sure that they kept God on the throne of their lives. While they may have been looking for a king, he wanted them to put God on the throne of their life. But what does that mean? What does fearing God mean? And what impact does it have on our life? Well, first of all, you'll find that fearing God will modify your behavior. It will modify your behavior. You see, without a healthy fear of God, anything goes. You'll do anything if you don't fear God. But a healthy fear will help you to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. It will help you to love the things that God loves, but to hate the things that God hates. Why? I mean, think about this for a second. Why do people sin? Why do people sin? Is it because we can't help it? Do we sin because we can't stand against temptation? No, I think that we sin mostly because of what Romans 3.18 says. Romans 3.18 says they sin because there's no fear of God before their eyes. So not only does the fear of God modify our behavior, but fearing God also helps us to obey Him when it don't make sense. You ever been there? We all have been there. Remember what God had the audacity to tell Noah to do? What did He tell Noah to do? Told him to build an ark. Now here's the kicker. He told him to build an ark in the middle of the wilderness in a place that had never seen rain. Why would he have to build an ark? It didn't make any sense. But the Bible says that Noah feared God and obeyed God even when it made no sense. In fact, Hebrews eleven seven, the Bible says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared 
an ark to save his family. So he, he knew that fearing God helped him to obey when it didn't make sense. But thirdly, fearing God also gives us courage to stand up against the crowd. Sometimes it's tough to stand up against the crowd. Think of uh, the Apostle Peter. Peter had a healthy fear of God, and that kept him from an unhealthy fear of people. See, in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to the Jews, ruler and people of the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has it been made well? Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it's by him that this man stands before you whole. And this, this is the stone which is rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there any salvation in any other name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And he continues on in verse 19, and he says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. But we cannot speak but the things which we have seen and heard. Do you fear God more than you fear people? That's a question you need to answer, especially in our day and time. So fearing God modifies our behavior. It helps us obey when it don't make sense. It helps us to have courage to stand apart from the crowd. But fearing God also helps us to persevere when we feel like quitting. Sometimes we're tired of this whole Christian thing. We're tired of this whole church life. And we just want to quit. But think of Joseph. Joseph was mistreated. Joseph was slandered. Joseph was hated. And he had every reason to quit on God. Yet his fear of God kept him from giving up. He declared, I will not give in. For I am a God-fearing man. Fearing God helps us to persevere when we're ready to throw in the towel. But fearing God also reminds us of God's blessings and provisions in our life. Think, uh, Hear what Psalm 34 verse 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you who belong to Him. For those who fear Him, get this, have everything they need. Proverbs 19.23 tells us that the fear of God leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. Fearing God. But finally, fearing God ought to generate authentic worship in your life. When you truly fear God, you truly worship God. Seeing God as He is, as the great creator, the architect of the universe, the, the designer of the plan of your life, ought to leave you with no choice, friend, but to worship Him with all your heart, with all your emotion, with all your focus, and with all your ability. That's what fearing God will do. So learning to fear God, learning to keep Him in His rightful place is that first principle that we all need to apply if we're going to become mighty servants of the Lord. We want to do that. But there's a second principle I want to share with you this morning, and that is this. Make a lifetime commitment to serve God. Joshua said, fear the Lord and serve him in all sincerity and all truth. 
In other words, serve him with all your faithfulness. You know, if there's anything we need more of in this world, it's more of a commitment to faithfulness and a commitment to the faithfulness of, to the commitments we've made. Consider this, faithfulness to the commitment we made to our spouse. We need to return to the faithfulness to the commitment we make to our kids. We need to return strongly to the faithfulness to our commitment to, to citizens by government leaders. We need to return to a faithfulness to commitment to, uh, of employees to employers. That's important. But most of all, and more than anything, we need to return to faithfulness to God. In every area, we need to realize, friend, that when you yielded your life to Jesus Christ and you were born again and you were saved, it didn't come with a short-term temporary contract. No, it came with a commitment to serve Him wholeheartedly with all your life for your entire life. He owns you now. He bought you at a price. So we need to follow the example of Jesus. In Matthew 20, 28, he said, For even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served. I came to serve others. To serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. What an example to follow. Somehow, though, we got it all turned around. We think of church as a place that comes to serve us. No, that's not the case. Instead, we ought to be serving God. It's us serving God, not God serving us. We need this revival in our hearts that will lead to a life-changing fear of God that will translate into a lifetime commitment to God. Are you hearing your church? Amen. That's what a fear of God will do. It will translate to a lifetime commitment to the Lord. I read a story of one young man who told his pastor, he said, God has called me into the ministry. And the pastor was excited. And for several months that young man was busy. He was visiting people. He was leading Bible studies. And he was persistently praying. And then out of the blue. The boy stopped coming to church. He just stopped coming. And the pastor called him and said. Son what happened? You were so diligent in serving the Lord. Then all of a sudden you just stopped. What happened? And the young man said, well, the Lord told me to never mind. <laughs> Listen, God don't tell you to never mind, ever. Amen? <laughs> Friends, we never, God never goes back on His call on our lives. God will never tell you to never mind when it comes to serving Him. He has accepted your commitment and He expects you to fulfill it. Now, He may change where you serve, but He's not going to change His mind when it comes to you serving Him. So, to become a mighty servant of the Lord, we keep God in His rightful place, and we make a lifetime commitment to serve Him. But thirdly, we also need to get rid of anything that keeps us from serving God. Are you hearing me, church? We need to get rid of anything that keeps us from serving God. Two times, Joshua said, put away the gods. Put away the gods. Friend, is there anything in your life that is trying to pull you away from your sincere commitment to follow and serve the Lord? 
whatever it is, Joshua said, put it away. Put it away. Friend, is there any foreign God in your life that's trying to demand your worship? Joshua says, put it away. Are there any other gods that you are bowing down to instead of the Lord? Joshua says, put it away. Put it away. Whatever it is, Joshua says, it's got to go. It needs to come off the throne of your life. It needs to come out from the center of your life. It needs to be removed from the permanent position that it has in your life. Joshua says, put it away. Put it away. Sometimes with Christians, we start out moving and keeping God in His rightful place. We start out making a lifetime commitment to the Lord. But then somehow, some way, we get diverted. We get diverted of things of lesser importance. All of a sudden, the things that God wants us to do in the church family aren't as important as they once were. One worldly pursuit leads to another worldly pursuit. And suddenly we realize that we have strayed far from God's purpose for our life. We realize that we have strayed far from His plan for His children to serve Him in His church. So I want to ask you, friend, do you feel far? Do you feel far from where you started as a Christian? Do you feel far? Have you allowed the distractions of life to keep you from serving God the way He wants you to serve God? Do you think, you know what? I need a priority check. I need to find out once again, is God number one in my life? And if so, is that being manifest into a lifetime commitment to serve Him? Listen, friend, it's never too late to stop. It's never too late to change directions. It's never too late to get your priorities in order. Because God wants you to become a mighty servant of the Lord. And He does that by beginning to keep God in your right in His rightful place. You need to make sure that you're making a lifetime commitment to serve God. But you also need to get rid of anything that keeps you from serving God the way He wants you to. Finally, the mighty servant Joshua shows us that we got to serve with a threefold commitment. Are you following me? we got to serve with a threefold commitment. And he begins in verse 15. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourself this day whom you will serve. Let it keep going. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people, you know how they said, oh, we'll serve you, we'll serve you. But they wouldn't put away the gods. They wouldn't forsake their gods. But finally they came to the conclusion and the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will follow. Friend, I want to tell you that if you're going to become a mighty servant like Joshua, a mighty servant of the Lord, you've got to make, first of all, a personal commitment. Joshua said, as for me, he didn't say, as for y'all, he said, as for me, no one can make this commitment for you. No one can make it for you. No, you're the only one that can commit your life to serve the Lord like he deserves. You know what? You may be the only one who truly knows your aunt, truly knows your cousin, truly knows if your other family member knows Jesus or not. And that being the case, you're the one. You're the one who must make a personal commitment to take the word of God to those folks. 
So many of us get careless. We get careless and we let our, our, our flame grow dim. So many of us let our passion to serve Jesus diminish. But you know what? It's not really us who, do, who suffer. It's other people who suffer when we don't serve the Lord like we should. So Joshua said, I'm making a personal commitment. He said, as for me, but then he goes on to make a family commitment. He says, as for me and my house, we just said that no one can make this commitment for you. That's true. But can I tell you that husbands and dads, they do have a spiritual responsibility to lead their families to serve God. Right? They do have that responsibility. So if our children don't serve the Lord when they grow up, could it be because their parents didn't serve God when they were growing up? Maybe so. You see, your kids, your kids, they hear what you say about God. But they also hear what you don't say about God. Your kids hear what you say about church. And they complain and they whine and they moan about having to get up on Sunday morning to come here. They hear what you say about church, but they also see the depth of your commitment to serve in the church. So the question begs to be asked and answered. Spiritually speaking, will this generation, this next generation, will they be more or less committed to serve the Lord based on what they see in our lives? So it all begins with the man and the woman in the mirror. They're going to be more or less committed to serve the Lord. Joshua said, I got a personal commitment. Ask for me. He said, I'm also making a family commitment. Ask for my house. But he goes on to say, also, we're going to have a total church commitment here. As he also says in verse 16, check it out. He starts talking to the people. In verse 16, the people answered, the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Then look in verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, the people said, no, we will serve the Lord. And then in verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice. We will obey. Again, you can't make this commitment for anybody. You can't make this commitment for anyone else. But wouldn't it be an awesome thing if the entire church stood up and said, The Lord our God we will serve, and His voice we will obey. Amen. Can you imagine if the whole church stood up and said that and then did that? Imagine what might happen. Becoming a mighty servant of the Lord. It begins by keeping God in the rightful place in your life. It continues by making that lifetime commitment to serve Him. It continues by you getting rid of anything that keeps you from serving God the way He deserves. And finally, it means serving God in that threefold commitment. For yourself, for your family, and for your church. Mm -hmm. Now, where 
in heaven's name does this desire to serve the church come from? Well, it comes from a healthy fear of God. A healthy, inspired awe of Almighty God. Where does that healthy fear come from? Well, that desire to serve, and that healthy fear of God comes when we genuinely place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for this life and for eternal life. See, a lot of times we'll place our trust in our and our, our trust and faith in Jesus for the next life. But we've neglected to trust Him in this life with our faith and our trust. Today, you'll have an opportunity to profess your faith in Christ and become one of the most happy, fulfilled people on the planet. And you'll be doing what God has led you to do. For with the heart, one believes and is made right with God. And with the mouth, you openly declare your faith and you are saved. My dear friend, will you let God have His will in your life? Thank you.